Hi, I'm Natalie Bouchard, and you're listening to Inside NC Labor, a podcast designed to inform and educate North Carolina citizens on the role that the Department of Labor plays in state government. Hello everyone, welcome to Inside NC Labor. I'm Natalie Bouchard and we're here at the Charlotte, North Carolina Department of Labor office. We are here today with Lee Peacock. Hello, how's everybody? Great, we're so glad to have you on the podcast. Um, If you would, just kind of introduce yourself and what you do with the Department of Labor. Well, first of all, I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, This is a pretty exciting topic for us. I'll talk about our drone program, but I've been with the Department of Labor going on 22 years and here in the Charlotte area, Charlotte field office, and I'm on compliance with, with our Occupational Safety and Health Division. And you know, just through the years, I've just had a lot of different wonderful opportunities, been able to meet a lot of different interesting people, employers, and just be able to try to help them, making sure that we have a safe working environment for the employees and the other citizens in North Carolina. Currently, I'm a district supervisor, and we have 11 uh, compliance officers in our staff when we're, when we're fully staffed and we got an excellent team and we do a lot we do a lot of inspections and outreach opportunities you know trying to help employers and making sure that they're also in compliance you know, to the OSH Act a lot of accident investigations unfortunately um, but during the course of that you know we, we try to uh, be respectful and understanding of what those employers are going through and just try to help work with them to uh, make it safer you know for the other employees Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So, Lee, you are head of one of our exciting programs, which is the drone program. So, you want to tell us a little bit about that, how it came to existence, what it's used for, just the general basis of it. Sure. Well, through that 22 years that I've been here, we've had a lot of different high-profile type of accidents. We've also had some complicated cases to where we really needed a high-angle advantage when it comes to looking at various different evidence, we're looking at the site, you know, trying to collect the evidence to try to have an understanding of what has happened. And just through those various different cases, our compliance staff has been at a disadvantage, so to speak, of being able to get to some of those higher angles and, and elevations to where that it's going to be safe for the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, with that, obviously, is a lot of inherent dangers, especially trying to get in different elevations that we need to or where we've had structure collapse mm-hmm. or degradation of systems where things are unstable over those really about 15 years there's been several different times to where we've had to reach out to various different partners uh, such as fire departments in some of those areas we've had to try to get photography or videography as far as those different areas um, so with that, it wouldn't have been possible if we wouldn't have had the help with the fire department or other, even the employers having different aerial lifts. Mm-hmm. So back in about 2016, we, me and my former um, bureau chief, which was Robbie Jones, we had started thinking about the possibility of some of the technology with the drones. Um, with the whole explosions of in the drone industry with you know, some of the, the capabilities that you know, the pieces of equipment are really able to do, we started thinking about if we had a drone, we could be able to fly it up, be able to get to the, the angles or to the shots that we need versus having to place our peoples in harm's way. Um, you know, so the other aspect to it is we've had multiple 
um, investigations, catastrophic incidents, you know, chemical plants explosions, mm. uh, West Pharmaceutical, mm -hmm. we've had down in um, Apex, North Carolina, we had a, a very massive a community event where the whole community had to be evacuated mm. because of you know, the chemical being released. But through the course of the investigation, if we would have had a drone, we could have got a snapshot as far as the area. So not only would it have helped our staff, but also to the first responder community to be able to understand the size up, the, the scale of the incident, to see what the inherent dangers or the hazards were mm -hmm. before placing people into harm's way or having them suit up and they go into you know, various different hazardous circumstances. Right. Just to the development of that and just you know, thinking about different aspects, possibly utilize the drones, you know, we made the decision to go ahead and start looking at putting together a proposal looking at different research, looking at different equipment, looking at what the regulations uh, would require between both feds mm -hmm. and state, and basically putting together a bid proposal and presented that to uh, Kevin Bogergaard, which is our OSH director. Mm -hmm. He was assistant director at the time, him and Alan McNeely. Just through the, the course of preparing that, I think that they also seen a you know, value in that. So anyway, we've seen that it, it, this could be a very valuable um, tool for our mm -hmm. toolbox to mm -hmm. be able to get that out and be able to help out with the investigations. Um, you know, the other dynamic circumstances that we've had is some of these catastrophic incidents have taken us five and six months to complete. Mm -hmm. To give you a good example, we had a chemical explosion in Morganton, and that was five months before we was able to get into the area mm -hmm. that we needed to get into, whereas if we would have had a drone, we could have you know, taken only about two or three months to be sure. able to get into the area, complete our theory as far as what happened, and be able to, to move on. Right. Being able to expedite that investigative process, mm -hmm. we can see you know, a huge use as far as with the drone capability. Mm -hmm. That makes and sense with the limitations being only six months we have to close a case. Right. So, I mean, that's valuable time right there. That's right. You know, when we started looking at the program, once we got the approval, and we're very fortunate that Kevin Bogergaard could also see the need and, mm -hmm. and gave us nothing but undivided support and said, let's do it. Uh, just make sure that, you know, we're covering everything that we need to cover, dot the I's, cross the T's. You know, so with that charge that, sure enough, we went out and you know, started looking at different other agencies that may have drones. We also start looking at not only from the state but also from the feds and really what we found out is there's not that many agencies that has a fully developed program mm -hmm. in north carolina we started looking at the department of transportation on uh, the aviation division because they had already started publishing some rules and requirements in the state of north carolina mm -hmm. and so when we reached out to the aviation division we're very fortunate to be able to to talk to one of the, the UAS program engineers and also the manager of, of that whole department and really develop a partnership. Mm -hmm. um, so not only do they try to help us understand what it is we need to, to kind of strategize and formulate our program, but also it's a great asset and a great partner to have because within North Carolina, we are not only known for first in flight as far as with you know the Wright brothers and right. everything else. Um, but the next big push for North Carolina is we want to be an industry leader when it comes to drone program. Mm -hmm. Not only with the different uh, governmental and commercial operations, but also from a recreational standpoint. Uh, but really setting the stage from the national level of 
the model program that in order to fly safe, making sure that you know we're not running into things sure. um, or crashing. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the Department of Transportation, that's their, their role and their mission. And they were really excited to see what we were doing internally, how we were developing our program, because besides the State Highway Patrol, which had started their program, and DOT, which was also trying to expand upon their program, there really wasn't that many other state agencies that had as many pilots as what we were looking at to include within our program and how that we were going through um, building the training and proficiency of the pilots. Within the federal level Department of Labor, we're also one of the first to have throughout the whole country fully developed program when it comes to drone use. I was going to say, I think people might look at that and say, that's peculiar, you know, the Department of Labor having a drone program. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, we should be at the forefront of safety and health, and drones are what allow our workers to do their work safely. I think that's very important, and we should be a leading example. Absolutely. You know, and that's the whole thing about our drone program is the, uh, the whole misconception from the industry perspective or people that maybe aren't familiar with what a drone is. Mm -hmm. You know, they hear all the stories that people spying on each other or sure. flying it around the backyard and yeah. watching somebody <laughs> lay out into the sun by the sure. pool. But as far as with the, again, the technology that is there and the availability and basically the cheap cost mm -hmm. of the various different units is that we've also seen a, a huge need to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right, as far as our primary mission is, you know, Department of Labor is to try to foster a safe working environment for you know, all the citizens and the workers in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And and again, this is just another tool for our toolbox to be able you know, to do that. Absolutely. So for listeners at home, we're sitting in a room with the drone on a table next to us. It's a pretty massive, intense looking <laughs> machine. So what does it take to fly one of these? That's an outstanding question. It takes a lot of time uh, from the standpoint of flight operations to be able to do it safely. Under the FAA, there are two options that they allow commercial and governmental operators uh, to be able to operate safely within the uh, national airspace. One is under a certificate of waiver or authorization, what they refer to as a COA, and then the other option is under Part 107. Part 107 requires the pilots to successfully pass an FAA examination and once they are awarded that, then they become a certified remote pilot. Under state regulations, they require you to have an understanding of general statute, state statute, um, FAA requirements for federal requirements, but they require you to pass a knowledge-based test, and upon successful completion of that, they issue a permit to the to the pilots. The FAA has a requirement that as a commercial or governmental operator that you have to have under Part 107 a certification to be able to fly that. Mm -hmm. Under state regulations you also have to be able to show understanding of state general statute, state requirements. Mm -hmm. Again making sure you're not going to be a peeping Tom right? <laughs> or also try to put a weapon on it to weaponize right. it or right. go out one Sunday or Saturday afternoon to do hunting or hunting or fishing. You <laughs> right. can't do that. So anyway, with the regulations, our program, the way that we've set it up is we want to exceed 
federal standards we're wanting to exceed state standards mm-hmm. and it kind of goes back to what you're saying Natalie that you know as that role model out there we need to make sure mm-hmm. that not only are we meeting the minimum amount of standards but we're exceeding and we're also showing the industry how we can do it in a safe manner awesome. currently with the FAA there's a lot of other requirements as far as just different laws what you can and can't do as far as through a drone operation but the main requirement is how that Part 107 certification. So with our training program, the first things that we did with the team, after we identified our team, is to go through that Part 107, the ground course. And luckily, again, by partner with the aviation division through NCDOT, mm-hmm. is we have one of their training specialists be able to come in to work with us to be able to help blend our training program jointly mm-hmm. to where not only could we give it to our pilots, but we also was able to invite other agencies to be able to come in and to sit in through some of the training as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a multi-agency event um, that we had. Then once we were able to successfully get our pilots to the core knowledge, then it become the, the hands-on training. Mm-hmm. And, and again, with that, we wanted to make sure that we had a really good understanding of the software, of the firmware, of the equipment, mm-hmm but most importantly, flight operations. Um, The biggest thing as a remote pilot is understanding the FA requirements and the separation between manned aircraft Mm -hmm. and unmanned aircraft Mm -hmm. and trying to avoid any type of in-air collision. Mm -hmm. The last thing that we want to do is fly up and run into a helicopter or or an aircraft. And so with that comes a a lot of understanding of the national airspace mm-hmm. and meteorology, mm-hmm. um, aviation, just general aviation knowledge. So with the training, you're taking a lot of personnel that aren't in the aviation background. Mm-hmm. I'm a private pilot, um, so I've been certified in a manned aircraft. We also have another one of our team, George Calvary. He is also a, a private pilot. But outside of that, we don't have anybody that has a strong understanding mm-hmm. of aeronautical knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, of the airspace and meteorology. So we had to spend a little bit of time from people outside of the aviation to be able to understand what the requirements are and how to operate within those mm-hmm. um, airspace. So once we were able to, to get the foundation, then we crossed over into the hands-on training mm-hmm. for really understanding the flight ops we were able to bring in the equipment represented from our products or the drones that we fly or our DJI products, mm-hmm. which is probably the best drone out there when it comes to technological advances, the largest in the market, but also technology is, is, is probably one of the best. So with that, we wanted to have a lot of safety redundancy features mm-hmm. in with the equipment um, and making sure that we can have something that's also a little bit user-friendly mm-hmm. you know, for the pilots. So with our hands-on training we've actually instead of just going out and just flying it without any type of structure we've developed skill stations and courses that would actually put them through a very rigorous challenge of being able to fly the drone very neat um, yeah so by the time we've completed the certification process the, the hands-on training we have currently we have in excess of about 60 hours that the pilots have been through just through the training evolution wow Whereas the FAA, really the only requirement is after you understand the regulations, is to have that Part 107. Mm-hmm. And once you're certified and you take a test and the examination, pass that. Currently, that's the only regulation is, is oh, out wow. there. So we found it 
not only with the, the overall training, we wanted to make sure our pilots were proficient, they're mm -hmm. understanding, mm -hmm. but also that they feel comfortable. Because yeah. mm -hmm. the last thing we want to do is get them into a circumstance or a situation of either flying it for our purposes or if we're deployed out under emergency management um, mm -hmm. incident mm -hmm. where they don't feel comfortable operating within those right. um, parameters. And I know from conversations we've had in the past, Lee, that it actually takes two people to fly. And again, it, it doesn't take two. Okay. As far as the FAA under normal conditions, that you you only have to have a a pilot, okay. a licensed or, or a certified pilot, mm -hmm. remote pilot. Part of our program is we've implemented at least two people. Okay. One is the pilot, actually is pilot in command. Mm -hmm. And then the other person is going to be a visual observer. Mm -hmm. okay. So as we're out flying, the, their whole purpose of that visual observer is for hazard mitigation mm -hmm. purposes, making sure that we're not just going to run it into the side of a building. Right. right. But most importantly, of not running into a manned aircraft. Okay. Or other drones that may be out there right. you know, flying a mission, um, you know, such as the media. Mm -hmm. I know that there are several large media mm -hmm. affiliates that have drones. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it comes you know, proper communication as well. So that's why I'm saying is at least two for our purposes, the way we've structured our program, mm -hmm. just for, and again, a safety redundancy system. Mm -hmm. Incidents that we have flown, we've also found that we need an effective ground staff mm -hmm. to help not only with the flight operations, but from either securing the area off within our area of operations, mm -hmm. or also to be able to help minimize any bystanders from coming up, encroaching into our active area of operations or our landing zone for example mm -hmm. and then prematurely coming into our area and then as we're landing or taking off somebody getting injured right so with that comes you know, more of a control aspect yeah so um, again above and beyond what's required yeah. is how you're approaching right. this whole program really. mm -hmm. that's right I just have a question kind of for my own curiosity how high can these fly because obviously right. it's not like a you didn't get this on Amazon. It's a pretty high-tech thing. So. <laughs> Our program, we have two different types. We have the DJI Maverick Pro, and we also, our newest purchase, which the one that we're here today and we see mm -hmm. in front of us, is the Matrice 210. Mm -hmm. With the DJI Mavic Pro, it'll go up to 16,400 feet. Uh, the Matrice will go up to about 9,800 feet. But under FAA, we're only able to go 400 feet. Okay, I figure there are some If it's not yeah. a restricted or a controlled air zone. Gotcha. Um, and that's the other thing where I keep talking about the national airspace and having that, that foundation, that background. It's like where we're at here in Charlotte, we're literally about three miles from Charlotte Douglas International Airport. Mm -hmm. So up until recently, we couldn't even take it outside our office mm. to be able to, to fly it mm -hmm. without being in a controlled airspace. Mm -hmm. And again, the, this whole industry is emerged and it's literally every quarter to every year the FAA is going through and basically trying to catch up and put more restrictive regulations mm -hmm. um, as far as within the unmanned community. So with that, being able to go out and to be able to fly it Again, we got different shelves that mm -hmm. we have to maintain different altitudes to stay under. Mm -hmm. But even outside of the controlled airspace, it's still a 400 feet maximum that we can fly. Okay, 
Gotcha. It's so. good to know. The program's been around for how long now? We officially started once we designated the team in February 2018. Okay. And through that, about the first year was really just going through getting the pilots certified, mm -hmm. getting them trained, um, having a good foundation as far as equipment, proficiency, uh, making sure that they can operate it and knew what to do when they need to be deployed out to a mission. After we built upon their core knowledge, then we started actually flying missions. Something else that we have done internally is put a minimum of five flight hours on that pilot. So they have to build five flight hours and be basically go through like a check ride mm -hmm. to where we actually go through monitor making sure that they can operate the equipment before that they're gonna be able to independently go out there and fly the mission for, for the department. Okay. Um, you know, and what's interesting about our, our program as well is not only with OSH, we also have our elevator division. Because right. a lot of things that people don't realize about the elevator division mm -hmm. is they're the ones that are out there inspecting chair lifts mm -hmm. for the ski slopes, mm -hmm. uh, but they also have inspections out in the eastern part of the state with the wind turbines mm -hmm. and also carnival rides. Mm -hmm. That some of the inspectors they have a need to be able to climb up onto the Ferris wheels and look at the connections and look at the motors and mm -hmm. the and the joints, making sure that uh, that they're safe, that they're safely installed and erected. So with that, our elevator division, we have uh, two designated pilots within. So it is a department-wide event, not just OSH you know, compliance. Mm -hmm. The other part of our program, not only partnered with DOT, but we're also looking at from the natural disaster or emergency management mm -hmm. incidents. We are building our program to where is a need for us to be called out that emergency management knows our capabilities mm -hmm. as part of the, the state a contingency of operation plans. Mm -hmm. But we've also, through the Department of Transportation, they have seen our program as kind of also being a model program, but they've also asked us to be on a working group with federal FEMA for Region 4 because wow. they are also looking at the state as a whole with different assets that are capable of drone capabilities, mm -hmm. uh, being able to fall in under the national response plan uh, to be able to help coordinate different events, making sure things are, are safe. If, if there's a need for capabilities to be able to go out and to do damage assessments or infrastructure assessments, that we might be able to have a role within that. Wow. So that's kind of where we're at right now is being able to, you know, to build upon that, but also from the state level, mm -hmm. being able to understand what capabilities the Department of Labor has to be able to help support that. Mm -hmm. Right. So do you have any specific mission that you've been out on that is just like a great example of the usage of the drone? Yes, since we've implemented our, or fully commissioned our program, so to speak, we've had eight different missions so far that we've flown. Each one have been uniquely different. Mm -hmm. um, it's also been a great lessons learned. And that's one of the things that mm. the missions, when we come back, we talk about it. We talk about between the staff, we talk about it at the training to understand where we need to improve upon. Mm. And again, you see the Matrice here, which is a much larger unit. One of the significant cases that we flew, the first mission that we flew, was for a fatality here in downtown or uptown Charlotte, mm. Center City, Charlotte. And again, being the first flight, there was a lot of things that 
we learned real fast as far as with the mission. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, unfortunately, it was, it was a very tragic accident. We had a fall from the 19th floor from the building downtown. So when we were deployed to, to fly that mission, that with the Mavic Pro that we use, which is the much smaller unit, that this particular day we were having a lot of wind to come mm -hmm. in and it was actually blowing the, the craft worth a little bit of drift. So mm -hmm. we were really concerned about running it into the building. Mm -hmm. So with that, the team, we were able to put together a strategic plan. And again, as far as the during the flight operations, where we looked at our hazard mitigation and our risk management plan, is to make sure that we're, we're keeping at least 15 foot back away from the building. Mm -hmm. So once we got anything closer, we would we would pause, we would try to reassess mm -hmm. the thing because we didn't want to have an in-air collision. But that particular incident was again a very tragic incident. We learned a lot you know, through, through flying that mission. The other type of cases that we've had, mostly accident related, mm -hmm. we did have several falls from elevations um, that we've also have deployed to various different sites. We've had down in the eastern part of the state, we've had a couple missions there where, we, where one has been an um, unfortunate trench collapse. Mm -hmm. We've also had a compactor, an earth compactor, that a lady was pinned in underneath the compactor when it flipped. Mm -hmm. and that was a really large track of land, a subdivision that um, the investigating compliance officer, he asked us to come out to get an overview as far as of the site and the, the traffic pattern as far as where equipment was operating and the slopes and things like that. Uh, that was a really good lessons learned for us mm. as far as understanding. But So to answer your question, yes, we've had about eight different missions now that we've flown and have learned you know, a significant amount off of each one. What do you see as the future of the drone program? Within the Department of Labor, can we have a fully seeing everything that's going to be as far as envisioning or everything that's going to be coming our way yet right but what we have seen is obviously is going to um, not only help from our investigative staff as far as being able to collect evidence and having that aerial advantage um, but also through the inspections you know different compliance inspections mm -hmm. whether it's elevator you know some of the tasks that they have or even internal uh, within osh but the other nice things i don't want to leave out that we also have Part of our team is our Education Training Technical Assistance Bureau mm -hmm. to where we are starting to integrate into more hazard recognition so the trainers and the standards officers that they can go out. It's easy to, to do training through textbook mm -hmm. or through a computer or lecture, but being able to actually have real hazards and pictures and, and videography mm -hmm. of being able to see that, I think from just the training models we're going to have is going to be a tremendous wealth to do that. Mm -hmm. We're also looking at a lot of outreach um, and training, different type of scenarios. I think the biggest involvement outside of our regular work tasks from a day-to-day -day standpoint is going to be the disasters mm -hmm. and being prepared for them um, and being able to help integrate into, again, either the emergency management role, um, if the department or if the commissioner wants us to do that role because if we look back last year with the, the hurricane mm -hmm. DOT they flew I think there were 17 different missions that they flew to have different assessments um, but on another large-scale events I think that we could help augment in with that mm -hmm. deploy teams out to be able to have a, 
a much more rapid response to be able to look at damage assessment. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, again, with our role, what we do is during those type of events is to be able to go out to make sure that we can also work within the either the incident command or the emergency management to help not only the first responders stay safe, mm -hmm. but even after the fact during the cleanup events that we can better target the areas that we need to get into to be able to help either the citizens of North Carolina or even the other workers coming in from out of town mm -hmm. to be able to during that cleanup to be able to help try to keep them safe and do our outreach opportunities. Especially with the the drone capabilities and the technology is emerging every day. Mm -hmm. Even the models that we have here, and there's, of course, bigger and better models, uh, more technological advancements. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the whole industry, not only from a work practice, I think from there's a lot of construction companies now that are using that for mapping mm -hmm. to see the progression of the construction projects. There's a lot of agricultural need mm -hmm. uh, to be able to go out, to be able to either spray the fields and the the crops. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just between those different type of industries that again we might have some involvement from a standpoint of helping show or help maybe educate them with how to put together a drone program and do it safely. Mm -hmm. um, so that's some of the the future technology or the future purposes that you know that I can see more specifically within our program. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? I mean if you look at the drone community as a whole you're going to see everything from FedEx and UPS, sure. Amazon, right. starting to do airdrops. Right. Um, the other thing that is kind of really neat that North Carolina is at the forefront on is the FAA has identified 10 different agencies or entities as part of an integration pilot program to where they're looking at future developments or future needs or different things that we can do with drones. And again, through the Department of Transportation, they were awarded one for North Carolina to be able to do and study the capabilities of drones for medical drop, mm -hmm. for medical supplies. Mm -hmm. So this past year over at Wake County, one of the hospitals was successful in basically being able to take lab specimens with the use of a drone and be able to take it at the hospital mm -hmm. or the clinic and be able to fly that over to their lab be able to intercept it through a person, be able to intercept it from the drone, do their lab analysis and get the report back in a much more expedited manner versus having to physically have a carrier or, or package mailed to the facility. Wow. Wow. So That's really neat. Awesome. Yeah. So just it's so many possibilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there anything else you'd like to add? I would like to just to talk about how our teams are structured. Throughout the Department of Labor, we have eight teams which are strategically placed uh, to where we can have rapid deployments in the event that we're, we're called out. But those teams include compliance, five teams in compliance. We have a team in ETTA, but also our elevators division, we have two teams there. And again, the way that we've organized that is off of each team, there's at least one remote pilot that's licensed, but we also have included um, five visual observers throughout the different parts of those teams. Um, so with our pilots, we have 18 pilots that are, are going to be fully licensed. Currently we have 16 mm -hmm. that are currently licensed. And we also have um, seven visual observers uh, that's already identified already received the training. Uh, so hopefully that's going to help expedite any type of response and 
be able to help with the need that the Department of Labor may have. Mm-hmm. I would also just like to say that with some of our partners, uh, we've been very fortunate within North Carolina through the North Carolina Public Safety Drone Academy, which is based out of Montgomery County. They've also was able to help come out and give several periods of instructions for us during our training and really kind of help us understand from a public safety standpoint different drone capabilities and how to operate safely. So they've been a very huge asset as well as far as during the development of our program. But also with our drone team, you know, again, we talked about all the different level training and kind of coming outside of their career field mm-hmm. and be part of the team. But I couldn't be more proud of our team. They just really have been enthused and excited and really trying to, to understand all the regulations. But it's just been just a great pleasure being able to work with them and all their level of expertise and different approaches that they bring in. And, and again, it's just a level of caliber of people that we have within the Department of Labor. And with the drone team that we, that we currently have in place is just top-notch. And I'm really excited to see where we're going to go in the next year to five years with this drone team. Okay, great. Well, this has been fantastic. I know it is one of our longer ones, but there's so much information packed into this. So I think it's been really great. So we appreciate your time and all the knowledge that you brought to this. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm I'm just glad to be part of it and appreciate all the support that the administration has been able to give us. and, And I just hope that it will continue on and hopefully we'll have a lot better successes and lessons learned we can share. Thanks so much for tuning in, y'all. Remember, your safety is our priority.